Celtic Stuff Live. Yeah, don't call it a comeback. The Celtics take one on the road, 111 to 108 in Cleveland, a team that has not lost yet in the postseason. And the way that they've played the first two games in Boston and then also the first half of the game, uh, game three, the first one of the series in Cleveland, you would have thought the Cavaliers might not even lose one the whole way through. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of... Uh, hyperbole, but you definitely thought that they might get to the NBA Finals without a loss on the record. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm your host, Justin Poulin. Joining me, John Duke, and at least for posterity's sake, John, the Celtics get really a hard-fought, probably their best defensive effort in several months, if you look at it as a 48-minute defensive effort, even Jay Crowder having four early fouls and really didn't even wind up sitting all that much, contributed a number of key, what I would say key rebounds. Jonas Jerebko hits a three. Just a team effort all around. That's what they needed. And, of course, you and I could not possibly get through this show since you and I stand in the same court on Marcus Smart, usually yeah. it's just a one-sided Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, but 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 now the two of us get to wax poetic about somebody that we said his three-point shot will come around. It will come around. Twenty-seven points in this one, big time beyond the arc as the Celtics climb back in in the third quarter. John, um, yeah, well, it, it, Smart. Um, Brad, I mean, everybody. I mean, this was the effort that it's like they were saving it up from the first two games. And then they said, ah, let's let it, let's let it all go <laughs> in Cleveland. You know, they never got their heads hung down. Things were not looking good in the first half. They were, you know, Cleveland was hitting everything. I, you know, they, I mean, they really, they, they had a hand in their face. They were making it. I mean, they were playing good defense. And Cleveland was just making their shots and making their shots, but they didn't give up. That was the difference in, I think, the first two games is that at some point they just kind of hung back and they hung their heads a little bit. They missed their shots and, and it just, it, you know, they'd make, on um, Cleveland would make theirs, Celtics would miss theirs, and it just, it dug a hole that they just, they couldn't get their health, their heads right. Tonight, not at all. They turned it around. They kept the fight going, you know, and I don't know if it's because, you know, you've had Smart out there for an extended period of time. They have his outset and, and mindset kind of infiltrating the rest of this team. But you're right. I mean, it wasn't just that. It was Jarebko coming in the fourth quarter and kind of mixing it up, getting a little nasty. You know, that's what this team needed. I mean, they, I feel like they were just kind of on autopilot. Not just in this series either. They've needed that the whole postseason, honestly. That, that's something that – Washington. That's right. And, and we even said, or I said – Definitely use your fouls. And I, I don't quite mean just foul for the sake of putting them on the line. I mean, get aggressive. Don't worry about it. Even Jalen Brown tonight, not the best defensive effort by any means, but at least he was draped all over LeBron. At least he made LeBron work. When, when Braun is, nobody bodies him up 
and he's just floating around all over the place and moving freely, that's an issue, and he's going to take over the game. As a matter of fact, I expected him to do so in the final six minutes. I thought, all right, we climb back in, we're hanging around, and even in the first half when Kevin Love just could not miss a three-pointer, I said, that can't go on all night, can it? Every one of those shots contested. I remember a shot after uh, Kevin Love knocked one down with a hand in his face. Then LeBron is in total ISO for the almost like 20 of the 24 seconds along the baseline, and then he puts one up, and the defender is draped all over him. I think it might have been Jay Crowder, and it still goes in. I'm thinking to myself, if they keep playing that way, nine times out of ten they win the game. It just looks like Cleveland's unbeatable. Cleveland got a little lazy in the third quarter, and once Boston climbed back in and had that little bit of confidence, confidence is a drug, and it really it gave it. Well, it gave Marcus Smart the ability to to really just go off. He went off. I mean, he. It did not snow in New England here this weekend, so he did not. You know, <laughs> that that's you know kind of the joke is that you know he had that amazing shooting game in Philly after a snow day, and so ever since then we you know we all kind of live by that. But he was amazing. I mean, he was making his shots, but it was more than that too, right? I mean, that they needed they needed somebody to make shots. They were really struggling on getting some offense going. They had enough offense going, but defensively, that was really I think where they made their. Where they made their, you know, where they made their money tonight. You know, they really held uh, the Cavs down. I mean, amazing work running the Cavs off the three-point line. So while Kyrie got the shot at the rim and 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 finished, obviously they didn't give up the three. And so they, you know, that by that they were able to, uh, you know, <laughs> to let you know get the shot wherever they needed to when they got the ball back. Of course, Avery went for, you know, got the wide open three and, and, and canned it. It was just a, just a remarkable performance. And, you know, I think there's something to be said. One, two things. One, the way that these guys always dig a hole and have to find a way to get out of it. And two, let's, Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, the fact that he's been hurt. And I think it's, it's, you know, we, you know, we saw the pad, the heating pad on the side for the last two months. And I know, you know, you, you know, found that the article about, uh, what that means for him going forward. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit in a little well, bit. Hold on. But, Before we go to Isaiah, I have to add something about Marcus because I hear you're getting ahead of steam and there's no way I'm going to recover from it either because the MVP talk, just the heart of a champion, we're going to have to go there. But let me just cap this out with my thoughts on Marcus Smart, too, before we move on. Just to say this, I remember we were looking for a huge three-pointer season, right? A huge uptick in three-point percentage. We really didn't see it. After the game, Marcus said in the post-game interview, it's him and, and Bradley, and he says that my teammates encouraged me to keep shooting them. Now that's not something any fan would have would have encouraged Marcus Smart to do for certain. But I remember back in the preseason, Jared Weiss went and did a little bit of an analysis and then interview with Marcus Smart about the improvements in his mechanics and how he's not gathering down at his knees and having this big sweeping motion into the three pointer that he's gathering at the waist and going right up. That's how he shot it all night tonight and. The fact that he played the role of Isaiah Thomas in this game, we talked about his playmaking, but 
look at the way he set it up. They ran the same kind of action with Marcus Smart with the ball in his hands as they do with Isaiah. And if anything, I thought there were moments where Marcus probably should have finished at the rim and he kicked it out. And I didn't even think that was the smart play. I thought the smart play was to go right after it. Dude, if he ever does emerge in that starter role, and this is not to, I know another theme with Isaiah conversation that we'll have tonight is everybody saying, oh, the team's better without him, which is nonsense. But, but down the line, Stupid. and this is why I say sign the max free agent, make the picks. Down the line, the idea of Marcus Smart as defender, distributor, and big-time fourth-quarter shot hitter or down with no chance brings you back into the game role player with Mark with Markel Fultz at the two and Smart at the one and Jalen Brown at the three. And we're talking years down the line, but why are we going to move these guys? We're going to be hard-pressed to sign Max players as it is, Avery Bradley being one of them who also had an excellent game in game three. But I'm telling you, man, I think you sit pat. So let's talk about some of those themes along the lines of of Isaiah Thomas in just a second, but a quick station identification. Follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host at CSL underscore Justin. That's me. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS media network at CLNS Radio. Don't forget the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download our app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace and the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report with the aforementioned Jared Weiss. And so, and actually a lot of a lot of Nick Gelso, the founder of the network on that Garden Report, and Jimmy Toscano, formerly of CSNNE, a big uh, big fan of, of Jimmy's as well. So, John, let's just talk about what a warrior Isaiah's been to just make it as far as he has. With everything that happened in, you know, right before the postseason started, 53 points on his sister's birthday with this hip. I'm going to go ahead and just heap a bunch of praise on him. But then on the back end of this conversation, I'm going to tell you I've got some serious concerns about that hip. <laughs> <laughs> he's a warrior, but he's doomed. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, Yikes. I, I, I'm, I, you should be concerned about the hip. I'm just telling uh, you right now, right, you should right. be concerned about the hip, right, not because – and, and I'm not trying to vault this into, you know, the team is – that's such nonsense. It's all not, And he right. absolutely has proven to be such a fighter that he could come back. But the fact – I'm, I'm – I'm I'm going to tell you, I don't think he's obviously not going to put in the offseason work in other other than rehab. I don't think he's going to be ready to start the season, which is concerning. And especially if they do sign a max free agent, because you guys, you want these guys to have time to gel. But thirdly, hips are no joke, dude. And this is not totally a minor procedure. We all remember Bo Jackson, old the old people, you and me and everyone over 40 and 35 remembers Bo Jackson. And that's a different situation. But but as you said, hips are no joke. So, yeah, I'm cautious about what that means. I think the most important thing it means is that he's not getting an extension this summer. Um, the, I can't yep. see a way. There's no way they're going to do that. The Celtics are going to give him money with a hip injury. You know, it's an ACL 
it's you know it, it's a it's a it's a significant injury and you know they're still evaluating options and what they're going to do and I'm sure he's seeing specialists and going across the country and as as they should I mean they gotta they gotta get this right but um it does here's one thing it does you know in a I'm not saying it's a good thing but there are there are aspects of this for the Celtics that actually help a little bit in that the pressure to make sure Isaiah gets his money is a bit taken off the edge. You know, maybe he's hurt and he's feel like he gave everything, but he's got to understand that they're not going to, they're not going to pay somebody who's hurt. You know, that's, that's a bad idea. I think even his, his agents would understand and, 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 and remark upon that. But let, let's, let's appreciate what he's done this year, right? I mean, let's, let's give credit to the man who, Played his his tail off to a second All NBA team, you know, seeding. I mean, these <laughs> at halftime of that game, was there any doubt that he should have gotten the MVP? What do you mean? What do you well, mean by just, that? Ju- well, just because, like, the team game three trying to fight, even though they were playing great defense. Look, you're thinking without this win in game three how much he carried the Celtics and knowing that in games one and two, it was aggravating him. And and as a matter of fact, it had been aggravating him since game six against the wizards. He still fights through game seven. Thank you. Thank you. Kelly Olynyk for an awesome performance so that they got to fight another day against Cleveland. And then, you know, he's obviously hobbled. If you look at his explosiveness and how much he tried to pass in games one and two, it was clear that he was struggling but if you look back the entire season, you look at where he, the way he carried this team. If they didn't get game three without him, it's almost like, and, and again, that's why I say halftime because Cleveland was dominating in the first half and the first two games of the series. You're sitting there looking at that going, dude, did anybody contribute more to his team's success than Isaiah Thomas? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that, I, yeah, but I think, I don't, I think that that's, I mean, I feel like that's almost, um, not obvious, but I feel like, I feel like I've accepted that fact of like, he's far and away the most indispensable player to his team that's, that's certainly in the playoffs, um, but, but probably in the league right now. But having said that, like, there was, I think you have to question whether or not, you know, at what point was the hip hurting him? And, and what I mean by that is, so they say that he hurt his hip, uh, in March, mid-March. And, you know, we, I don't know that we really remarked upon it here, but I certainly made a mental note of the fact that he didn't have the same explosion as, as the season, you know, wore down. And I thought, well, maybe he's saving himself. He's trying to, you know, keep things going. To know that he's been dealing with this all along and probably it's been good days, bad days. That sort of thing. That's how you can come up with 54 points, you know, in one game. And then, you know, really he didn't have two great a games, uh, in Washington. To, but to be able to do that and lead this team to where they are, I mean, it's unfortunate he's not going to be able to finish this season with them. Just as a, a fact of finishing your season and going out as, as, giving it as all you can. I mean, that, that to me makes me feel bad for the guy, but you appreciate what he did. And now I think maybe what it does, I don't think it diminishes Isaiah if the Celtics 
do well, like winning tonight here with game three or, or possibly even stealing another one if they were able to do that. I think what it does though, in my mind, is it raised the profile of their, of the teammates and makes a guy like Gordon Hayward to maybe sit back and say, Oh, well, whoa, maybe there is more here than I realized. Maybe they're not 50 points as bad as the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that's probably what it does more so than, than maybe shine a light on Isaiah. Or at least that's what I hope it does. Well, what's interesting about that too, and you're absolutely right, but that narrative was out there that, that the Celtics were going to have a hard time recruiting a free agent because of the fact, yeah. or a max free agent, because of the fact that even with Isaiah, they couldn't do it. Then you get the excuse, and that's how, that's how I'm going to put it. You get the, the excuse that Isaiah wasn't 100%. Now they're going to shut him yeah. down in the postseason. So, yeah, you get the asterisks there and you think that maybe your recruiting efforts are back on track. But now it's swinging a complete other direction because these guys went out and got a gutty win after really getting their butts handed to them in the first half of game three. They go out, they get a gutty win, and if anything, it shows that these Butler Bulldogs really do play, I mean, Boston Celtics, <laughs> right? Cause it was like a college team effort, John. You know, I made, that was not a mistake. That's really what this was like. The way that they play together as a team, now it puts more emphasis back on Brad Stevens and what he's able to accomplish. And, you know, a lot of guys want to nitpick his X's and O's, but at the end of the day, what he does is he gives these guys the confidence to think that and believe that, in the words of KG, anything is possible and that they can overcome any trial and tribulation that's in their path. Now, do I think they're going to win this series against Cleveland? No, but I didn't think they were going to win Isaiah when I thought Isaiah was 100% healthy. The fact that they can get a gutty win is awesome. To think that this series could begin to look like the Bulls series as you just sort of tried to nonchalantly throw out there like, oh, if they could get another one in Cleveland. <laughs> Game five, man. Game, Game five. five in Boston. Right. Uh, riding a little bit. I mean, if really, if they can attack the confidence of these this Cavaliers team, they might be able to take it seven. But it's going to take it's going to take an enormous Game four win that I just don't think is in the cards. You're probably right. I mean, it's probably unlikely they're gonna they're gonna get another one, but who cares, right? I mean, entering this series, there's a lot Their of work is done. They say or not. I Their mean, work right. is done. They've won in the postseason. They had all the excuses in the world to roll over and lose this series in a sweep, just like yeah. everybody before them. They go out, they fight. If they fight hard in Game Four and at least mm-hmm. give Cleveland a run, maybe take Game Five at home and then lose in yeah. six. There's no way uh, a free agent in the offseason, especially the one that we all covet, Gordon Hayward, doesn't look at this club and go, they're way on the rise. It's, it, oh, and, and you're adding the number one pick, right? I mean, it's just – I'm just – I'm kind of – got to be honest with you. I'm pretty salty right now. And, and I'm not obviously at the Celtics, but the whole – <laughs> the whole Twitterverse, uh, you know, the way that a lot of these folks, I just, you know, yeah, that's what happens. You kind of get into it and you're following a team that loses by a historic margin. You know, I would imagine if I were a Falcons fan, perhaps over the last three, four months, I'd feel the same way. But I just, I'm so angry, so angry about the way that the disrespect the Celtics have been getting, you know, just generally after that game, 
it was embarrassing as a as a fan. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that game two. It was hard to watch, and you know, it's it's indicative hard of hard to watch. I turned it off in the third quarter. I was done. I, I watched. I put it on mute, but I watched it. Um, Poor you. It was. It was well, you know. At least I didn't have to listen to freaking. We got to take a second to talk about Reggie Miller. Is just he's the worst. He's such he's so the worst. I mean, I can't even I can't even tell you how much how bad that guy sucks. He sucks so hard, man. I mean, just I I really want to go over and like take. Remember after he he makes the eight points nine seconds against the Knicks and he puts goes his 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 fingers up to his throat like the choke. I want to go to him and I want to single-handedly choke him. Choke him with his little gommy fingers and just – I want to see his eyes bulge out of his head. I'm just so <laughs> I have sick never, of that. He sucks. never heard you this hot, John. Never. I'm just – he's awful. I mean he's – he is – universally despised as a, as an NBA color commentator. I mean, he is the worst. He is absolutely the worst. I do not like Mike Breen. We've been over this. I'm not a fan of Mark Jackson, but he is the worst of the lot. I mean, I just, I can't take it. I can't take, listen to that man. He is absolutely horrendous. Well, we're spoiled with Mike and Tommy and so maybe, maybe someday, They'll just let us simulcast. I, I, it, it's beyond me why in the first rounds, even when the game is being broadcast on TNT, you can have your home announcers. And then when your team, I mean, it's not like people all over the country are going to start tuning in to Comcast Sports Net New England because guess what? They can't, right? right. So what right. is, what is the point of this? And, and and maybe we save this for the off season. Maybe we save this for another day. I I griped enough about the NBA app this season. It finally sort of. I think they did finally clean it up because I've had less issues over the last month, month and a half. But no, I haven't. It's been in the postseason. I'm watching it on TNT instead of the NBA app. At the end of the day, though. You should be able to choose from a variety of announcers and not to, not to push back on Mike and Tommy, but how come you can't listen to the radio broadcast and watch TV? Like how come you can't get that synced up, right? Maybe we should be able to listen to the people that we gravitate to the most. I, how come you and I can't broadcast the game and sync it up? No, never mind, but. But my point is, <laughs> the technology should be at a place where, you know, you're able to enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it and certainly be able to enjoy it with the people that you're used to calling the game throughout the season. They're the ones that live and breathe the team. And I, I know we're going to go to our break in just a second, but I know Comcast Sportsnet New England does a nice job of bringing Mike and Tommy on you know, uh, pregame live and postgame live and all of that when, when they lose broadcast rights. But really, why, why can't they just continue to broadcast? Even if, you know what, John, even if they're doing it from the studio, let's say it's about ticket sales, right? Let's say there's, there's a monetary thing and how, how many people they have in the media or whatever. Then, then let them watch it on TV and talk about it. I don't care, but let me hear the people we like to hear. Absolutely. I mean, they do it for the college football uh, national championship game that, you know, you can go on to different ESPNs and, and watch the game with, you know, Florida, you know, Alabama's announcers or Ohio State's announcers. I mean, 
with all the different technologies we have, there are ways in which you can turn on different ways. Or There's 18 different ESPNs, for crying out loud. I mean, there's got to be a way to do it. The NBA or online, I mean, they have, you can look at every – I can watch a camera angle on TNT, I think, from inside, um, you know, Charles Barkley's lapel pocket if I wanted to. I mean, why can't I hear Mike and Tommy? They own the rights. Make it happen, NBA. This If I have to listen to that googly-eyed, big-eared loser, Reggie Miller, one more time, I might I might lose it. I might – this this is sedate. Who knows what the next game could could rise up out of my voice? I mean, I just I can't take this man. He's horrendous. Yeah, I've legitimately never heard you that hot before. And you know what? Honestly, the NBA, the the TNT, ought to just go out there and recruit somebody else. Maybe make a hiring decision. As a matter of fact, with the playoff season heating up, it's important to have the right players on the court or on the sidelines, right, John? So that's the key to success. That sharp outside shooter or power rebounder can be the difference between winning and losing. And that sharp outside shooter with the big mouth and the front-running turdness well, there you go. That guy on the sidelines needs to be replaced. There's only one place to go if you want to replace staff or expand your staff and hire somebody new because Pay business to TNT. That's Pay right. attention. TNT's <laughs> got to go to ZipRecruiter. Business yep. is not any different. Your company needs the right people to be the best. So where do you go to find the top talent? You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post on all the top job sites, and now you can with ZipRecruiter at ZipRecruiter.com. Yeah, take, take notes, Take TNT. notes, Reggie Miller. <laughs> Reggie, no, Reggie Miller, take notes on this. You can't get it all in one place because you're going to be the new job because you're so bad at your own. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with one click, and then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position. And guess what? Not Reggie Miller. Reggie's not coming through. That's why ZipRecruiter <laughs> is different. Unlike other job sites, they do not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No more do you have to juggle your emails or have calls coming into the office. You can simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide. And right now, our listeners can start forming their own winning team all made up of former Celtics, on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. All right, John, so you're hot about Reggie, but we never even got to the Twitter conversation. If we're going to have hot takes, Reggie sucks is not really a hot take, but for this show, it's a hot take. And if we're going to just go negative, negative, negative and try to suck in the the callers and the listeners, we got to go to Twitter because the misplaced hate on the Celtics team, like I get it, I get it. 
everybody outside of New England, if you didn't grow up here, move away, or you didn't grow up a Celtics fan or a Bruins fan or a Red Sox fan or a Patriots fan, it's just total anti-New England sports. I get it. But to loft that on this team of all teams, like they don't even have a bad bone in their body. You want to boo Kelly Olynyk as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan? I get it. You want to boo Kelly Olynyk as a Wizards fan? You guys are a bunch of idiots. <sighs> because he didn't do anything. Ubre did everything. But An we'll idiot. put all that aside. We'll put all that aside. The fact that you like to revel in watching a team that should be America's underdog favorite in the postseason, out of all the four teams that were remaining, you should have been rooting for the Celtics. And and that's just because you want to see parity. Do you really want to see the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors go at it again as the top dogs? You do maybe because that's the best basketball that you could possibly get on the court. But what if the Celtics did play the best basketball on the floor? What if they did go give Cleveland and uh, Golden State Warriors a run? And as a matter of fact, San Antonio looked like they were going to smack the Warriors until Kawhi got maliciously injured. No, I still stand behind the fact that I think that was mostly accidental. Um, at the end of the day, the Twitter hate was totally out of control and a pretty stinging amount of hate, too, when you consider the fact that we just suffered the biggest blowout loss. Like, it was just a big old pig pile. And when you take the the gut and uh, just the heart of this team, what they fought through and the adversity that Isaiah Thomas had to fight through, and then to just just get pig-piled on like that, come on, come on. Have, like, have at least some perspective, if not some class. Yeah, but those people don't have any. They're, they're, they're classless twats. I mean, I'm just so sick of this that, you know, we do we go through this all the time, and the hate and the the jealousy for the Celtics is just it it's endless, right? It's like all the time we sit here and we listen to the Celtics uh you know, all the Celtics they, they can't do this and you know, uh you know, it's all this jealousy of who they are. It's like, okay, I'm Miami. What the hell do I have to be like strutting around like I've got you know, like I've won all these championships. You won two of them. They did have Ray barely. Allen. They had Ray Allen. I mean come on. Oh man, don't, don't, don't. I've already this seems Richie like a Miller perfect time to introduce Ray Allen the traitor. Oh my god, <laughs> that one's for Screw that one that is guy. That one is for the president of the network, Dick Chelso. He'll appreciate it because it's still it, the tweets are still back and forth between me and Dick about he wants Ray's jersey to go into the rafters, and I'm like, never gonna no. happen. Never over, over KG's cold and dead body. That's right. Will that, will that number twenty go up there with Ray Allen putting the, his his hands on the rope, putting it up? This is a that's Markel Fultz's job to put that twenty up there. Never gonna. But happen But we will now. have the courtesy to send him a text message and let him know that we're not going to retire it with the rest of the guys. Yeah, I I, I suspect <laughs> that he'll actually get a text on this one. He'll totally get a text message. So. So hold on, just staying on, maybe he'll get a tweet. Staying on Twitter, go. some of the... Yeah, he should, he has to stay off Twitter, because that didn't go so well for him last time. But anyway, no. <laughs> speaking of Ray Allen, but anyway, sorry, go right ahead. You, well, I was just going to say, just it's misplaced anger or jealousy or whatever it is. 
But this this team, I think the biggest reason was because it was coming off the heels of getting the number one overall pick. I think at some point people actually see this scenario with the Celtics as lacking parity. Even though they can't leapfrog Cleveland, even though, you know, and there's this whole number one seed, oh, they're the worst number one seed ever, blah. I mean, yeah, they kind of were, though. <laughs> I mean, that one I'm not even going to debate. The 53 wins, uh, Cleveland limping down the stretch, Toronto's injuries. Like, you would have liked to see a, a 58 to 62 win team leading in the East. I, I, I'm not really debating that. But the point is, is like people want it to hurt and it doesn't hurt. You want to know why it doesn't hurt? Because they still got the number one seed. They got home court advantage, which means they get to, they get to, they get to reward their fan base for sticking what through what should have been a very lengthy rebuild process, just to ask the people in Philadelphia what that's like. And instead, in four years' time, they basically go worse to first and completely rehab their team. They have a, a number of players they're going to have to make difficult decisions on over the next several years. And, oh, yeah, the number one pick and probably one of the top three picks again next year if things go right. It's like... Like <laughs> they were, they right, absolutely. And there were people out there saying, they were telling me that the Heat were in a better position than the Celtics were. The Wizards are a better position than the Celtics are. I mean, look, I guess in some case you can say, well, those are, those teams have younger players in a position that are playing now. I guess. But who, I mean, no one in their right mind would say, oh, yeah, would I rather have the number one pick or would I rather have Tyler Johnson? Would I rather have the number one pick or would I rather have, um, you know, you know, Bradley Beal in a max contract? You know, I mean, I just, I, there's, there's under no circumstance are those people right. They're just so wrong. And it, that the fact that they have to wait until a 50 point game like that to come out and say it, it just, Tells you all you need to know about those those fans and what they are. They just they're idiots. They're morons. They're they might likely uh, need to be in a group home somewhere, and and they probably have to have their, their they probably have to have their steak cut for them before they eat it. I mean, I don't know how they type. They probably have to do like a, a touch oh, like, text. Dude, they situation. they have a cork at the end of their fork, just like <laughs> exactly. on dirty rotten scoundrels. <laughs> And you, I am aging myself if I'm referencing Can I go to the that bathroom? movie. But yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good movie. That's, that's a, a good movie. movie. That's the best scene in that movie too. As good as that movie is, that's by far yeah. the best scene. Steve Martin, everybody. Steve uh, Martin. Look him up, millennials. So, um, <laughs> a jerk. But that's Sam Sheehan. About... Sam Sheehan will have a Twitter comment about how he's going to connect Steve Martin to the millennial generation tomorrow. Yes, he needs to do that absolutely. And it's just he, he. There is a movie that Steve Martin did called The Jerk, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but that is not in reference to how I feel about Reggie Miller. Those are two different things. Yeah, just completely unrelated. 
And, you know, it's amazing. In a series where we're playing against the Cleveland Cavaliers and, I mean, our disdain for, for LeBron is, is legendary. His feats are amazing, but he is the whiniest, criest superstar in NBA history. There is no one who compares. Like Sinead O'Connor, although Sinead had more hair on her head than LeBron currently does, he has, he is, he is, he whines more than any other great ever. Alright, so I speaking mean, of whining, oh. we're gonna transition out of this. Because we'll, we'll complain about Reggie Miller all the rest of the show. And we've got about 15, 10, 15 minutes remaining. You're right. I'm going to throw some quotes at you that are right in line. See how I transition? This Thank right you. here, everybody, is called experienced radio announcing. Are you ready? Avery mm-hmm. Bradley. The foul count wasn't where we wanted it to be. I kept telling everybody we can't <laughs> complain. Because it hurts our offense, okay? And he continued, we had a few times down the court where we were complaining, and it hurt us. And that's the truth, and we have seen this team do that this year. I'm glad not only that they acknowledged it, but that they acknowledged it in the throes of the moment to get it corrected. And I'm going to throw it to one other quote, which is from Marcus Smart, which certainly Jonas Jerebko exemplified in this game, but so did Marcus. We just told each other, so this is the whole team coming together. We just told each other that no matter what happens, we've got to be the hardest-playing team. And I really feel like for the first time in months, because I don't even think they've put together that kind of a defensive effort for 48 minutes yet in the postseason, and really even down the stretch of the regular season. We They were so prone to these lapses. I mean, look at the runs. There was a stat that Sean Grandy put out there in the middle of the Wizards series that these 20-plus point runs that um, Chicago and Washington had put on the Celtics. And now all of a sudden we see them without their best player, their MVP, they come out on the road against Cleveland and they finally put 48 minutes of defense together. Now I know some of that is just the lineup and I know that this team is not better without Isaiah Thomas, but they are better defensively without Isaiah. No question. Yeah. And you know, the, the lapses offensively, you know, is that going to happen? Certainly no Marcus isn't going to make six threes. In game, in game four. We know that's not going to happen. He's going to make eight. No. Yeah, but the key is to keep attacking. Like. That's exactly right. And shoot some of those mid-range shots. Bobby Manning and I went back and forth on Twitter. He was like, I'm fine with three-pointers. And I get the statistics of it, but this just is not a three-point shooting team. And every once in a while, they've got to shoot one of those mid-ranges so that they can continue to attack the basket. If you're going to be undersized, You've got to create space in more than just three-point shots and driving to the rim. Well, yeah, you've got to be able to score in all three all three areas. But you know, certainly that's your that's the last place you want to be in shooting. Now, if you're wide open and it's a 15 footer, I mean, I, you you know, you do that. But certainly, if you're not at the rim, you want a three-pointer, and maybe <laughs> depending upon who it is, you may want a three-pointer over that. But Look, I, I mean, at some point, the Cavs were not going to shoot the way that they started the, the first two games in the first quarter. I mean, at some point, 
as as Brad has said twice in this in this playoff, water is going to find its level, and that's what is going to happen with the Cavs shooting. Eventually, they're going to find their level, and tonight in the second half, they kind of found their level. And yeah, they you know that still was a, a great three that uh, Jr. hit to you know kind of put them up by one, and you know they've they did okay, but. You know, the type of shooting we saw from them, particularly in the first half of Game Two, which was just mind blowing in in its <laughs> in, in how it looked. I mean, just I I still I'm sp- somewhat speechless in how they played in that first half. This this is a franchise that that is rolling on all cylinders right now. But for one game at least, for one game, the Boston Celtics were the better team at the end of 48 minutes. After you know, really starting off the same way as they did the first two, but they were mentally tougher tonight. And I also think, you know, not to go back to the Isaiah stuff, but real quickly, the fact that, you know, he's there, but he's not there. You know, he, he's out there, but he can't do the things that Isaiah does. And certainly defensively, you know, really being hobbled even more so than usual. It's like, you know, it's like riding a, a, a a bike with a flat tire. I mean, yeah, you can go for a while, but not very fast and, and it's not really worth it to anybody. And so they, you know, being away from that flat tire, they were able to play like themselves for the first time in a long time. Yeah. They need to be, uh, you know, they need to play them. loose in game four. Let's talk about what, what the, what the keys are to trying to yeah. take a second one on the road, because I quite frankly, don't think there's a chance it'll happen, but if it does happen, the first is not only, and there's a couple more quotes. There's just quotes coming out. We're, I mean, we're recording this 100% post game. That's why we have so much energy, John. We're pretty fired up, but Oops. just amazing. But Avery Bradley, another quote saying that he felt like the team really uh, matured. You know, for he said what you could say is a very young team. We this game, we really grew up. And the other thing that Marcus Smart said was, let it flow and let it snow. I think that was supposed to be let it show, but I don't know. It's let, let it snow. Show. Yeah. Let it show. But it's funny that Jared Weiss <laughs> misdid it snow just because of Marcus Smart Still and the okay. three-point shooting. But right. at the end of the day, I hate that phrase, at the end of the day. If I ever say it again, John, just tell me to shut up. I will tell you at the end of the day to shut up. Go ahead. Okay, anyway. perfect. So... <laughs> But they have to play loose, and they have to play confident. Like, they have got nothing to lose here. And I don't think they – I think they played defense that way, but they didn't play both ends of the floor that way until the second half. That has to carry into the next game. They do have to let it flow and let it show because if they don't play loose in game four, they don't have a chance in hell. They've got to come out like they belong here without Isaiah, that they can win this game – and they do have to 100% offensively continue to attack the basket despite the fact that LeBron will probably get four blocks at the rim if they do. Yeah, I I think that they're, they're going to need – I would say that, that the playmaking of Marcus Smart is going to have to go to 11 in game four. He's going to have to get – penetrate – He's going to have to draw attention. He's going to have to shoot that mid-range. 
that he was working on the early part of the year. We talked, we talked a lot about this in the early part of the season about how it was really helpful. He was taking that 15 footer to kind of set up some other things and allow him to get there. Now he's getting to the 15, 15, 10 to 15 foot area and he's going another step and then kicking it out instead of either trying to finish or just stopping and popping. I wish he would stop and pop a little bit because I think that would that would open up a, a few more things That's for him. That's my point about the, the mid-range. Yes. I mean, yes, but but your point isn't to live there. It's not to, to have an offense no, that looks it's, like it's Evan Turner's shooting Find chart. the open You're, spot on the floor instead of just sticking to threes. And relying on pretty much only Isaiah to attack the basket. Yeah, Every once in a while, Horford works works the post, and and that is a nice thing to see. But when they when they drive or drive and pull up, it gets some respect. There's some hesitation. I mean, that's what you're getting at. Every once in a while, Marcus should pull up because he winds up dishing when he gets to the rim because the minute it's not from beyond the arc. All they do is slide over and get ready to defend the rim. If you don't pop, you don't get the respect, and you're never going to get to the rim. I agree, but it's it needs to be the outlier. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like the it's like the pitch away away to make a hitter kind of look and expand your strike You don't zone want it to be at Ever, Evan Turner level. It's right. It's not I a get big it. part of the game. It's just it's what you do to give somebody a different look so that they're not playing on what you really want to do, which is, you know, get to the rim and shoot the threes. Like that's uh, unless you're shooting a high percentage in the mid-range, it's not a good shot. But hey, maybe that's if you're if you're able to hit a couple, well then maybe they're they're stopping and they're thinking a little bit. And and he was shooting a pretty fine percentage around that 15-foot shot. And I think he can get there anytime he wants because no one's defending that area. The people are allowed to roam in that area. You got Tristan Thompson obviously down low. You got everybody else to spread way the hell out. If he can get one step and pull and pull back, he's got a chance to, to do some things. But, look, this is – they're going to need – they're going to need Kelly to score. They're going to need a lot more from Kelly. They're going to need a lot more from, from you know, I think it's Horford. It's kind of interesting how easily Kelly can get to the rim, and they need to exploit that more. Yes. Not just definitely. shooting the three-pointers and uh, like he did in Game 7. I know he was inside and out, but I think he can get inside against Cleveland more than we realize. Here's what I will say, though. Tristan Thompson absolutely – eating the Celtics alive, especially on the glass. But we knew that was going to happen. There's nothing they're going to be able to do about it except hope that Jay Crowder continues to just go and man up and try to grab those, at least try to keep it as equal as possible. 11 rebounds in game three, that's got to continue. But the one thing is, all right, so Tristan's going to, it's just going to happen because of the personnel on the Celtics club. The same thing that is just going to happen is LeBron. LeBron didn't have it. What I expected tonight was final six minutes, LeBron just takes over. That's how I thought this was going to end. Figured we'd lose by 12 after evening it up or getting really close. But it didn't happen. LeBron, after the game, says my teammates did a great job building a lead, but me personally, I didn't have it. That's what I've got to say about my performance. So that's what a leader does, puts it back on himself, says he's the one that has to perform. I happen to think that LeBron is correct because I expected, like I said, the last six minutes 
for him to just completely take over this game. So how do the Celtics defend or deal with the inevitable game four stellar performance? Do you think they should just let LeBron go off and try to shut everybody else down? Or do you think they just continue to play as super physical as possible with LeBron despite foul trouble that will likely ensue? I feel like that that's exactly what game one was. You know, to try to let LeBron get his, but don't let anybody else get theirs. And that failed spectacularly <laughs> for the Celtics. It, it seemed as though they didn't have a plan with how to defend LeBron. And, you know, they switched on it. They switched on every pick and roll. And before you knew it, <laughs> he's, he's at the rim. And, and, you know, it, it just was not a good night for the Celtics. How do you stop LeBron? I think you let him shoot. I think you always let him shoot. I think you still want him matched up with a quicker guy, so I think you gotta kinda cross match that. And I, I noticed he had Bradley on on him quite a bit at the end of the game, knowing that, you know, he's gonna shoot over him, but he's not gonna get past Avery Bradley. And Bradley's gonna get to the spot before LeBron is. So that was I thought an interesting kind of uh matchup. I think you, you saw a little bit of smart on him too, so basically give him a smaller guy. They probably will try to put him in the post a little bit more if they're going to go with a smaller guy on him. Um, I think you need to have more positionally flexible players, and I think that means you got to have more from Jalen Brown. I think Jalen's, you know, I'm, this is inevitable with a young player. He's had two really good games uh, in the face of some pretty bad performances by teammates. Now he needs to be part of the solution here in Game Four, and I, I think he, I think he'll rebound. Unfortunately, he hasn't had a good record of doing well doing badly and then coming back it's been do well do badly fall off the face of the map and then come back and do well again a few games later i feel like that's probably what we're going to see which probably means the, the the games he does well will be at summer league in july but i'm hoping i'm wrong <laughs> it could be i mean we have several games left now now that it's not a sweep we know we're going to make it to game five, which is Thursday this week, uh, the next game, game four in Cleveland on Tuesday. So we have a show every single week. We'll have another one next Sunday. If the Celtics can win game five, which I actually think they might, then game six is on Saturday. I got to think Jalen's going to have a good game somewhere in there <laughs> if they can get to game six. It would be nice if they got to game six. It would be even nicer if they could bring it back home in front of the Boston crowd for Game 7. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I would be happy if they made it to to Game 6 after a gutty win on Thursday night in Game 5. And I think that's probably what we're going to see. I think they lose Game 4, win Game 5, and unfortunately lose Game 6 on the road. And then it's off to the finals with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's my prediction. Should that not happen, though, should they get to Game 7, then the next time you hear from John and I, we'll be previewing that game that night. John, I give it less than 10% odds. What are your odds on when we come back and do our next show? The Celtics are still in it. Listen, this is this is Homer's RS over here, but... Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think it's post game show or I think it's post season, uh, time next week. I hate to say that. I, I try to be incredibly optimistic, but 
I don't I don't think things are going to turn out. We'll be less than well. a month from the draft. We'll only have three shows to the draft. We'll get right into it. We'll talk. I mean, I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy, here, folks. But come no, on. but come are on. Are we really going to get to Game Seven without Isaiah Thomas? I mean, this was a gutty performance, and I think they can gut out another win. But I don't think yeah. it gets beyond six. That would be an all timer, and and if that happens, Marcus Smart is is the guy here, and I don't know what you do, but. But if, if Marcus Smart is, is gonna be the, and he has to be, for them to take that next step and get that far, it's gotta be the Marcus Smart, Horford and Bradley and, and Crowder show. Those four have gotta lead them there. Cause I don't see anybody else. I mean, you're gonna get the oddball thing from Jonas, you're gonna get the oddball thing from Kelly and Jalen. But those four, it's gotta be those four that get them there. Defense, switching, turnovers, and and probably causing somebody to do something they shouldn't do and get suspended. Yep. That's probably the one we're going to get to Game Seven. Yep, Jonas has to throw a punch. That's how it happens. Or no, he has to accept a punch. He can't throw. A I punch. see. Well, He's gonna <laughs> make him he, mad and try to punch. All him. right, Amir Johnson throws a punch. Jarebko accepts one, and we lose Johnson and Tristan Thompson for the series. How's that? Wow. You said there's a trade. <laughs> That's a hell of a trade. I like right, that. There's a dream. That one doesn't. You don't have to go to the trade checker to see if that one works. <laughs> Can we still use the hashtag? It's not luck if that happens. <laughs> it, well, hey, listen. I if, think it'll be if, banned. It, it, it probably. It's not malicious. It's not. <laughs> if. If uh, if the, the Warriors can lose based upon uh, Draymond Green being a moron enough to kick somebody yet That's once true. again, anything is possible. God, why doesn't he play for the Cavs? Okay, that's going to do it for this week. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Don't forget to follow John and I on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. You can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. We'd really like to hear from you. And a reminder, today's show brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. Not only do they have a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire CLNS Radio Media Network. Thanks to the loyal audience making it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.